You're listening to On The Whistle, the podcast that explores the impact that coaches, teachers, and mentors from youth sports organizations and schools have on young people's lives. Let's get into the show. All right, so welcome everybody to another installment of On The Whistle, where today I'm super excited to introduce and welcome to the show, Jeff Hood. Jeff is the CEO of the Police Athletic League at the national level. And what I've learned so much in my research, Jeff, is there's about 300 individual chapters across the United States with the sole mission of working with young people at the chapter level to promote the prevention of juvenile crime and violence by building relationships among kids, cops, and community through positive engagement. And welcome to the show, Jeff. If there has ever been a time, if there has ever been a time that something like this is needed, boy, does it feel like it's today. Yeah, no question. And first, Gary, thank you for having me. Um, I very much appreciate it and, and always uh, willing and interested in, in, in speaking first about our young people and the plight and the path of which they, they are on um, past, present, and, and future. But then also, as you as you state, definitely want to to engage uh, your listeners with with what that relates to as it as it engages uh, law enforcement. You know, as as I speak a lot uh, across the country as and as well internationally, I break it down a little bit simple on these terms. Do we all know young people? Uh, do we know young people that have done some some pretty bad things? Yes. No question. Does that make all young people bad? No, it doesn't. Do we know some some law enforcement officers officers that have done some pretty bad and unscrupulous things? No question. In that same token, does it make all law enforcement officers bad? Not at all. No, Not no at sir, all. can't. It, that's right. There, there's some officers that have that are out there doing some very great things in communities all across this country and internationally. Same way we have some great young people, some awesome young people all across this country. And I think once we somewhat departmentalize it that way, then we can kind of use that that ammunition to get to the true crux of what's going on and be very transparent and open about it. And that's why I normally start with, look, there's bad kids, there's bad cops, okay? There's great kids and there's great cops. Okay, where do we go from here? Jeff, what's the condition of young kids in America and where are you guys focused? Is this, do I find this in the sticks of Oklahoma or is PAL a downtown Detroit thing? Or is it both? Is it in Beverly Hills? I'm just picking a zip code that sounds wealthy and has a lot of resources, like you think yep. Beverly Hills, right? Yes. I grew up in a town called Fall River, Massachusetts. It was a mm-hmm. it was a union mill town. Today, from what I hear, I, I, I live about 35 minutes from it, but from what I've heard, all the mills are gone, and it's a heroin den now, I hear, mm-hmm. right? So tell me what's going on in, in the center intersection between the young person and the town and community in the United States right now. I've lost touch, but I need to understand it. Well, yes, we are in, in and around Beverly Hills. Um, so we are in LA, suburban, as well as inner city. 
We are also in Detroit, inner city, underprivileged uh, communities of Detroit, Chicago, Atlanta, New York, Wisconsin. <laughs> so, I mean, we're, we're in all of those places, you know, both well-to-do and, and not so well-to-do. We are very much in the front lines of a lot of those communities. I myself, I'm a PAL kid. I grew up in, in inner city, low-income communities in New York, in, in Queens, New York. So, so yeah, I'm a product of, of, of those communities and, and the community that even to this point hasn't gotten a whole lot better from a socioeconomic standpoint. But that's the one thing I love about PAL. Not one thing. I mean, there's a lot to love about PAL. But one of the great things in regards to PAL is we kind of supersede a lot of those communities, right? So we, and like we have a, a, a an annual, we unfortunately wasn't able to have it this year. Every year we have in DC, Potomac, Maryland, a National PAL Youth Mentor and Leadership Summit, right? So we have six, 700 kids come from all across the country that converges upon DC. And um, yeah, we have kids from low income, from middle income to well-to-do, and they're all learning from each other, right? They're all engaging with each other, you know? And it's like myself, I was fortunate enough to, to be pretty decent, if you will, uh, in, in basketball, right? So basketball provided me an opportunity to, to go to college, right? So I get to college, and um, so I walk in the dorm room and, and, and coach is there and, and all. And he's like, OK, well, uh, my, my roommate at the time was was from um, West Philadelphia. So he's OK, well, that that's your that's your sleeping over here. And, you know, Kevin, that's your sleeping over here. So I'm looking around I was like, wait, wait a minute. So we all get our own beds, <laughs> we get our own, our own, you know, closets and our own space. You know? It's not how I grew up. Didn't know what I didn't know, you know, because that's not how I was brought up. That's not, you know, there was nine people in my family and, and, and there was, you know, three bedrooms. Uh, one, of course, was my mom and dad's and then it was some for the boys and some for the girls and then <laughs> we had a basement. And, you got in, you, you get in where you fit in, you know? And, and uh, so I didn't know that we were poor until I went to a situation like, wow, this is nice. <laughs> this is nice thing here. And uh, so we grow up with that, even in our PAL programs, right? We have kids that are growing up in inner city, in his inner city, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, you know, and, and all the other places that I named, they don't know some of these things. One of the things that 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 opened my eyes to us having to, to kind of teach things a little bit different is at this mentor summit. We had some kids from I won't mention where they were from, but they were from an inner city and 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 not knowing. So we're in the lobby getting ready to go to DC to meet with congressmen and officials and elected officials. And we noticed that there's some kids that are missing. So we go and it's like, hey. What, what's going on, guys? They're sitting in their room, and they're like, Mr. Jeff, we didn't know how to turn the shower on. Wow. They're in their room trying to figure out how to bathe 
but they can't and did not know how to turn the shower on. That's when it was like, wow, we have to really, you know, be very strategic about this and intentional, you know, and not take for granted that everybody knows how to turn a shower on. You know, not everybody knows how to wash their clothes in a, in a washing a dryer, you know? So we have to really kind of make this thing very basic, you know, and intentional. And Jeff, uh, how much of the supplement of the work you're doing is either in concert with or in placement of public education? Uh, because um, I'm hearing things like, one, thank you for sharing that with me. No. Thank you for sharing that with our listeners. We need to get to the truth and understand the disparity across the entire country so that we can come together and right. heal what is clearly broken, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But when I hear that kids don't know how to do some basic functional stuff around that, is that broken home because I, I don't live in a home that has that? Is that because I didn't learn that at school and I should have learned that at school? Is it a combination of both of them? And how is Pal working to glue all that together? Yeah, well, I think it's a combination of all of the above, right? Because I don't know how you teach a class of how to turn the shower on. Well, neither do I. Right, <laughs> right. So, so I'm, I'm not going to put that one on the school. Yeah. Um, you know, but I will say this, though. There, there are some challenges um, growing up again in, in, in inner city New York, right? So we had classes such as home economics. We had wood shop. We had awesome. automotive shop. We had a lot of these things that helped to teach you certain trades, certain skill sets. Well, schools have taken a lot of those things out of the school now, right? So, you know, one of the classes, and even now to this day, is still sitting in my, in my mother's living room. You know, I, I, I took and I really loved taking ceramic shop. Right. So I learned pottery. I knew how to 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 fire up things and, and mm. work the kiln and 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 mold things and shape things and all of that. Well, if I was growing up today, there's no such thing as ceramic shop, you know. So I wouldn't have learned that skill set or wood shop, how to make planners that I made in wood shop that are still sitting in, in my mother's house today. Wouldn't have learned those trades. I wouldn't have learned that. You know, that could have wind up turning, developing into a potential career, you know, in 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 automotive or or wood shop or ceramics or pottery or any of those things. So we're or home economics about cooking and and, and those types of things. They're taking a lot of those types of things out of these schools, which lessens the opportunity for what our young people to kind of explore and look at career, uh, potential career paths. Sure. So you talk about how is PAL helping and, and, and diving into some of those things, right? First, one of the things that, that we started backing up from, PAL used to be PAL, the Police Athletic League, right? So everything was primarily about athletics. As I state, mentioned a little bit ago, I'm a former athlete and all as well. Right. And I want to get back to that because I want to hear about your basketball and I want to learn about who coached you and how it made you feel. But let's sure. let, but, sure. but let's circle back onto that once you I want to wrap up the, the gluing work that you guys are doing at the community level. That yeah, you know, we, we, we took it and changed athletic to activities. Nice. Right? So so that we're more holistic. We're so 
you know, it's it's not just about being an athlete, you know, and, and you've heard the adage as well about dumb jocks and, and all of those things, right? Okay, fine. But we need to be more strategic in that of teaching these kids, okay, yes, being a part of a team is important, but you can also be a part of a robotics team. Or a chess team. You can also be a part chess team, STEM, technology, all of these other things that are out there than just this thing called athletics. So we've started diving a lot more into the athletic side, still keeping, you know, the, the athletic piece there because that's been very successful. But we need to teach at the end of the day, and, and we say that if all you've gotten out of being a PAL person or a PAL kid, is athletics, we failed you as, as an organization, as a program. So what do you want a kid to feel he or she got out of a program? If I'm, if I'm a successful participant in a PAL program and I go in not having these things, what do I leave having? Well, it's a number of things. One, you learn that you can be a part of something that, that doesn't just have to be what everybody else seemingly is doing and be secure in that. Right. We also talk about life living skills. You know, like I talked to you about the the not being able to turn on a shower or know how to, to, to wash your clothes. Right. So we do a lot of those types of soft skills types of things as well. And I think that's where a number of kids all across this country, and I'm just not talking about inner city kids, you know, I'm talking about kids that are well to do. A great number of these kids, and I, 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 I've been interviewing a number of them here recently for a position that I have open, right? And unfortunately, they are so far behind when it comes to soft skills. Mm. How do you even communicate? How do you have a conversation with someone instead of texting and the characters that are on your makeup on your phone or on the computer? How do you literally have an interview and you're sitting across from someone and you're able to have a meaningful dialogue and discussion? So those are things, Toastmasters, things like that, that we are trying to engage our young people at as early age as possible that, hey, it's not just about this ball because sooner or later that air is going to come out of that ball. <laughs> you know? Or you're not going to be able to throw that pitch 98 miles an hour any longer. And then people are hitting you. Okay, now what do you do? What you still have to be successful in life. So we are teaching more about life living skills. We're talking about the soft skills. We're talking about career development. We're talking about, you know, how to conversation, have a conversation with someone. So those are the things that we are backing up and reaching with these young people. And we're looking at engaging more with companies and corporations of setting up meaningful internship opportunities, right? So instead of just saying, yeah, you know, Mr. Jeff, like for example, now, one of the things that's out there, we're, we're great partners now with Microsoft, right? So a number of kids, you know, are into this gaming thing, you know, Xbox and, you know, all of these things. That's great. Well, now you can make a great living in gaming. There's colleges that are out there now that are giving away college scholarships in gaming. You know, so now it's like, okay, 
you like gaming, let's look at that from a career path opportunity instead of you just sitting home, you know, or, or, or at somebody's house and you're gaming all day long, but it's not advancing you anywhere, you know? So now we're trying to even implement that in, in conjunction with Microsoft from a career path. So we're looking at those things and we have to make some changes. We can't always, you know, say, well, it's been this way. We're just going to always do it this way. And young people are failing at that. We have to be creative. Jeff, turn the clock back for me. So you're a kid growing up in a tough neighborhood in New York. Yep. And you have self-admittedly told me that you were good at basketball. Well, I was all right. I haven't said you were good at basketball. You said you were good at basketball. That's why I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm backtracking. I, I, I'm forced to believe you. <laughs> and I will. So you end up in a gym somewhere and you find a program called PAL. Yep. And so how did it work and how did you personally connect with it? And, and how did it help you? Well, it, it, it was one of those vehicles that, 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 obviously helped save my life a little bit, right? Because in the community that I grew, in, grew up in, I could have went left or I could have went right, okay? PAL was one of those vehicles that helped me from a number of standpoints. One, it helped me from a standpoint of establishing positive rapport and relationship with law enforcement, okay? Um, Why is that important? Well, it's important because it's not always an us against them mentality. I'm not a law enforcement officer. But it helped me to define and understand that all police officers aren't bad, you know? And if all police officers are bad, well, then those that were coaching me growing up, that means that I'm saying that they were bad and I know that they weren't, right? They were a part of helping to, to define who I am as a person. Help me to understand that, yeah, this may be your current situation of being of living but it doesn't have to be your end destination right there can be other opportunities for you out here if a you're willing to put in the work and b you're also willing to allow us to help you to get to that next destination so it's a two-pronged thing first yes i have to be willing to put in the work but then secondly i also have to be willing and allow someone else in to help me to get to where they see and I see of where I'd like to be. And did you go through that process personally where you let somebody in? Yeah, yeah, I had to. I had to because, you know, I, I was raised in a, in a house of nine kids, you know, with, with single parent, you know, and, and my dad was around and all, but, but yeah, by, by and large, it was primarily my mom. And um, yeah, so I needed some other mentors you know, that was out there that was willing to invest time in me and believe in me and, and see something in me that I at that time couldn't see for myself, you know, because everywhere else I looked, I saw people just as poor as I was. So, you know, so you, you, you look at that and you had people say, look, that's what today looks like. But, but let me give you a, a little insight as to what tomorrow can look like, you know, for you. And we continue to, to go down that path, you know, through that and some other, you know, opportunities that I was involved in outside of even PAL, you know, and all of those things helped me to define that I knew one thing, I was not going to stay here. 
Jeff, was it just that you were just a good kid? No, because I, I wasn't always a good kid. I wasn't always a good kid. I mean, I, I did some things that, that um not particularly very proud of. Not going to necessarily say that I'm going to take them all back because they helped me to define who and what I am today. And it was a part of that growth process, right? If I was always good and I was, all, you know, then then I can't say that I would all I would have come to the to the realization that I needed to a work hard, two that I needed to um, make some changes within my own life skills and and growing process. And uh, as well as to be able to respect that process and understand what that looked like. So no, I, I, I don't regret those things. I regret some of those that may have been, I'm not gonna say taken advantage of, but, but was on that, the negative side of what I may have done. But outside of that, the learning experience was, was very valuable. And, and the coaching staffs at these PAL organizations, mm -hmm. are they 100% police officers or do you augment them with volunteers and non-police officers or is the majority driven by police officers at the local level? They're majorly driven by, by law enforcement officers because that's what makes us, makes us different, right? You know, because if, if it's not the, the infusion of law enforcement, then we can be the Boys and Girls Club or Big right. Brothers, Big Sisters, you right. know, or any of those other youth-serving organizations, right? You know, it's interesting. There's been a bunch of online videos of police officers stopping in communities and playing basketball, pick up basketball with a kid mm -hmm. or something, right? And, uh, and you can see it's a little silly, but it's a little cool at the same time. Mm -hmm. But at the core of those videos and the reason that I'm engaged with them and they kind of go viral is because there's something really awesome and powerful That's right. about seeing the harmony between what can be a threat, but what can also be loving and caring and supportive right. in that and, relationship between police and youth. And I will tell you this, Gary, is there are more of those positive things happening than what took place in Minneapolis. Look, there's no doubt in my mind, Jeff, every organization that I've been a part of, when I look back at it retrospectively, 90% of the work or noise is about 2.5% of the population when you start dealing with problems. Right. Even in our company, you know, when we have employee issues, it's one or two people causing 90% of the problems. That's right. It's never right. the 95%. That's called a revolution. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> so we don't have that. So I get, I get what you're coming at. I think it's such a complicated issue because you can tell, or at least I believe that police officers get involved with their work because they want to make a difference in the community that they come from or care about. Yeah. But, but, and, but Gary, I'll say this as well, right? A guy that I, that I knew that, that is with still, he's still with the um, news media. Right. And I was telling about this great event that we were having that was involving young people, law enforcement. You know, it, it, it wasn't in any way benefiting law enforcement. It was definitely benefiting the community and the community youth. And I said, hey, I really think this is something you guys need to come and cover. You know, he's like, well, Jeff, we got this other thing going on and all that. And I kept pressing him. I was like, are you kidding me? You know, this is, this is a great thing. 
He says, Jeff, let me break it to you, down to you and tell you like this. If it don't bleed, it don't lead. And that has always stuck with me. And that's been several years ago that he, he and I had that conversation. But that's where we are. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll never forget as well, I was sitting and watching some of this uh, rioting and all going on, you know, in, in CNN and all of these people who's covering all these things. You can find the time to cover the riots, but you can't find time to cover a great number of the positive things that are taking place. And um, for example, for example, and, and, and I'm not saying this just because it's, it's something that National PAL is doing and, and, and involved in by no means, but holistically across the country during this pandemic and during these issues of dealing with racism and equality and law enforcement relations and, and community reform, educational reform, the voice that we're hearing from is the voice of adults, right? Everybody's hearing from the voice of the adult. But what about the voice of our youth? They have challenges that's, that are going on right now. They're dealing with having to go to school now in virtual learning. Isolation. Isolation. And this is the thing. And, and, and people are not paying, to me, enough attention to this. Kids learn differently. There's kids that learn well by being in front of the teacher. And then there's kids that will, they'll, they'll be okay learning virtually. But those kids that learn from having to be in front of their teacher, be able to ask questions, have after you know class communication and all those things, those kids are gonna be in a bad shape. And Jeff, I'm worried about that because when this passes and those kids go back to the classroom, the classrooms aren't going to say, you know what, let's pick up where we left off 11 months That's ago. Right. They're right. just going to go forward, and there's going to be a big gap. That's right. That's and right. there's going to be a problem with continuity of education and learning, particularly mm -hmm. in the sciences and the math areas, perhaps right. in the foreign languages, because they're building blocks. Right. right. Right? And so there's going to be this big bubble, this big vacuum around certain chunks of education, you know, kids in high school, middle school, wherever it is. And so I'm, right. I'm, worried. I'm worried about that. Yeah, but then also, what about those kids that are in these technology deserts, right? To whereas they don't have internet. They don't have anything online. They don't have. They don't even have computer at home, you know. And then where does their support come from? You know, some of these kids are being raised by grandma and grandpa. Grandma and grandpa have no willingness at all to in to engage with a computer. That's right. right. Nor could they provide them support. So what happens to that kid? <laughs> you know, who helps that those those families and those young people? You know, and I mean it's it's a lot bigger issue than what we are taking on, what we're really announcing right now. Yeah, you know? and what and, we're focused and, on. Yeah, it's it's a lot deeper than that. And and so with that, PAL is doing some things. You Tell know, us what PAL's doing to support that gap. So one of the things that, that we're, we're doing a lot more educational assistance virtually. We are in and have engaged um, even with Microsoft, you know, where we are allowing 
some of our chapters to um, through some of the grants that we we engage with. We are now for the first time probably ever allowing them to utilize some of those uh, that funding to purchase laptop computers. Awesome. And that's not a favorable thing, um, even from myself, for other grant related reasons, but we have to respond that way. So we are allowing them to use some of those resources, again, through this partnership with Microsoft, who they've given us discounted computer rate to purchase computers for, for some of these community-based programming that they will look to utilize for educational assistance, tutorial assistance, communication with our young people, all of those types of things. Another thing that, that we're doing, um, as I was expressing about hearing from our young people, we started this National POW from the Voices of Youth. And I'm looking at your website. It's right in the center. It says Voices of yeah. Youth and Voices of Youth Link. And yeah. I was listening to some of those in advance of our discussion, and they're very, very powerful. But tell our listeners, what is the Voices of Youth tab all about? And why should I click on it? Sure. What it is, is uh, what started initially as a 12-city town hall series where we go, we were going to go to 12 different cities, and we were going to engage our youth in town halls with the community change agents of their city, i.e. chief of police, mayor, senator, congressman, what have you, within those communities, school superintendents, and our young people would have communication, ask them questions. Why are you doing this? Why are you not doing that? This is what we feel. We need you to hear from us. And we are going around the country having great conversation. We had a, convers a, a, um, a town hall yesterday in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, right? And we had the chief of police on. We had the uh, House of Representatives, uh, we had a councilwoman, and then we had our young people on. And we had a celebrity as well. We had former NBA player, uh, Kenny Gaddison, former Charlotte Hornet and all. And our young people are just peppering them with questions, you know, about what's going on in the community, but it's from their mouths. And, and we coach them a little bit, as far as diction and you know present presentation but the one area i do not touch with them is their questions i don't even ask them what their questions are because i want it to be authentic from them you know i don't want it to be from me i don't want it to be from anyone else in pal i want it to be genuine from them from these young people that are are high school and college age kids and um it's been going great we um We've been in uh, Richmond, California, Houston, Texas, New Orleans, Memphis, Philadelphia, Dunn, North Carolina, Miami, North Miami Beach, Henrico, Virginia, and then yesterday, Oklahoma City, and we still have East Cleveland, Seattle, Chicago, Atlanta, New York, wow. D.C. Still Big coverage. Big coverage. Um, we're all over the place. How many kids on an annual basis does PAL interact with or touch in, in, in some way? Do you have About any sense? About 1.5 million. Incredible. And how many of how many Jeff Hoods are there in the 1.5 million? <laughs> uh, and, and do you know any stories of them? Oh God, and, yes. I mean, I mean, can you tell can you tell us 
yeah. you know, the, the boy or the girl and, and this kid had that and here's where they ended up because of how. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. And, and I, actually, I can take the rest of this show and probably the rest of the shows for this month that you may have with that one. But one kid that, that um, and I'm going to try not to get sentimental here because I, I, I love this kid so much. Um, he's in, in, in South L.A., right? He's in our program in South Los Angeles. And his name is Francisco, right? And um, he, um, he's, he's just really challenged, right? He has a lot going on with family and um, community and as well as perception, right, of Mr. Jeff, people think that just because I'm from South LA that I'm not gonna amount to anything, I'm not gonna be anything. And um, so we talked. We first met at our youth summit in DC, right, two years ago. And uh, he and I, we, we communicate every other week or so and touch base. And um, he is now a cadet that he's um, looking at being a police officer. And that even surprised me. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Because, um, because he was in conflict with law? Yeah. Well, it, he was in conflict with the law, but he was also, um, because his experience prior to PAL was always negative. Like, so if, if, if police came to the house, it wasn't a good thing. You know, mm -hmm. they wouldn't come by to say hello. <laughs> you know, it was either to arrest somebody or, or you know, do something in the community or what have you. And, um, yeah, so now he's like, Mr. Jeff, I am really wanting to change the stereotype of South L.A. And I want people to know that we care about our community, you know. And he says, Mr. Jeff, people always come to our community to try and help us, and that's great. He said, but I'm looking forward to the day of when we are able to leave our community to go help somebody else's community, because that means our community is okay. You know, and um, so- That's a powerful message. Yeah, yeah, and- um, And by the way, if, if Francisco can't get us there, nobody can. Yeah, you know, and- um, I mean, we really need him to do it. Yeah. Because yeah. this idea of us coming yeah. in and changing his community, hasn't worked for him to take ownership of that it's so yeah. important for the success of his family of his neighbors yeah you know yeah. that's so great Jeff to hear that story yeah. and he um he is he, he's just an awesome kid you know and you know there's so many I mean I, I, I prior to the pandemic you know I, I travel a lot going to our PAL programs and engage with our young people and meet with them you know without staff I don't want staff in the room you know, I only want to meet with the kids because they'll tell you the truth, you know? And sure. um, so I sit down with them and I meet and um, and I says, look, guys, this is me and you. Don't, don't feel like you're going to be held accountable. You know, I need to know. We can only make things better if we know the real, real of what's going on. And we sit and we talk, you know, and they're very forthcoming. And because of a lot of these sessions and conversations, some of which even the PAL program may not even know, right? Because they're so busy trying to go here, you know, they're, they're not paying attention to what's over here sometimes, 
you know? So I'll sit and then afterwards I was like, okay, now I'll meet with some of the adults and say, hey guys, you think you know your kids? You don't really know your kids. <laughs> you, you really don't, you know? And I'll talk to them and thankfully, and this is the beauty of it is, is a lot of the um, adults in the PAL program, they don't take it personal. Like, you know, well, how dare they talk about us like this? Or how, you know, they're like, wow, we got to fix this. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah, that we got to fix this. Because this isn't, this, and, and that's the beauty of it. Because you see that if if they took it personal, then it was solely about them, whether it wasn't about the kids. Because they are listening and willing to make change, they, I know that it's about the young people. And this is where, as, as I tell people across the country when I speak, is I say, look, if and when you make the decisions about your PAL program, you keep the face of the young person first and foremost, you always make the right decision. It's when you take the face of the young person out and you institute your, your picture, in that that's when the problems start because then it becomes about you and not about them and that's when we continue to see these great miracles and these changes within our young people you know all across this country from south la to you know i i, I have a, a number of kids they call me pop right you know and um one young lady she she's i call her my daughter uh she calls me pop you know, when a lot of this stuff just jumped off in um, March, April, she was in a program in, PAL program in Florida, right? And she called, she's like, Pop, and I'll never forget this. I was literally out cutting my grass, right? Which is my respite. You know, I have my headphones on, I'm cutting the grass, I'm, I'm good. So she, I see her name pops up on my phone and I says, hey, daughter, what's going on? She's like, Pop, you got a second? I need to talk to you. I said, yeah, you know, I always got time for you. What's going on? She says, Pop, I'm scared. I said, well, what's going on? Why are you scared? She says, because I'm seeing all this rioting stuff and I'm seeing what took place in Minneapolis and I'm hearing what everybody's saying about, you know, excuse the expression, F the police and, you know, all of these things yep. and, and what have you. Scary. And, yeah, she's like, Pop, and now she's a freshman in college, right? She's like, Pop, I just don't know what to what to do or what to think. And I says, well, look, sweetie. I said, let me first tell you this. The law enforcement officers that was with you in your power program, is that what you see or saw from them? She's like, no, sir. I says, okay, well, trust that. And I said, second of all, same thing that, I, that we started with earlier. Do you know some young people that have done some bad things? Yes, sir. Do you know some police officers that have done some bad things? Yes, sir. Do you know officers that have done some great things? I said, yes, sir. I said, there you go. I said, don't change your opinion just because you see something that may have happened and allow that to change your mindset and say that everybody is this way because that's what you saw. I talk to a lot of mentors, coaches, administrators of programs, people in leadership positions that are helping young people make the complex transition between the confusion around being a child and an emerging adolescent and trying to get to this thing called stable and successful adult. I would argue, Jeff, that 
even at our age, I don't know how stable or successful we are at any one time. Uh, it feels very transitional still at age 50. Mm -hmm. But I will say one thing, there's a common denominator in everybody and it's an incredible allegiance and passion to helping, uh, right? It's just serving. The good coaches that I've met in my kids' lives uh, just wanted to help. They just wanted to serve. Mm -hmm. And you could tell they weren't in it for the money because there really sure. isn't any. I was going to say, right. that's for sure. Because <laughs> there really isn't any. Right. 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 There's an incredible uh, connective tissue throughout communities that coaches and mentors and leadership take on. And they're such unsung heroes. Uh, uh, right? I mean, yeah. It's amazing. And just uh, listening to this PAL organization, I had no idea that 1.5 million kids are somehow engaged with somebody other than their mom or dad who cares. That's right. Who just simply cares. That's it. That's it. And that's it totally. And it's, and, and that's why, thankfully, you know, now, uh, you know, we're getting so many calls from police departments and, 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 and organizations across the country wanting to start a PAL program in their, in their community. Right. So we, now, so what do we tell people that are listening to us who are, who are excited and empowered to take action based on the wonderful stories that you're sharing and they want to lean in and they want to give or they want to help Jeff, what do they do? Well, a number of things. One, first, see if there's a PAL program in your community and you can even do that by going to our website or nationalpal.org. Nationalpal.org. Yep. Or you can call me, you know, and I'll, I'll definitely link you up with a program in your community. And so if they want to call you, Jeff, what number should they ring you on? My cell, 704-400-6035. Okay. And that is definitely my cell. And yes, I do answer. I found this thing called Block. So if people call and they act crazy, and I, oh, I got, I'm not going to change my number and, and, and do that. I'm just going to block you. Awesome. You know, but but no, I, I literally give everybody my cell number. And um, I know I was doing a show a few years ago. It's like the guy muted. He's like, you giving your cell number. I said, I, said, I know. I said, I'm, I'm good with that. I want, you want people to call you. Yes. I love it. That's it. So, um, but yeah, you know, I would say get involved, get engaged, learn, listen, you know, not just from, from law enforcement, but of course, from our young people. The service that's being provided is so valuable. And like you started off, Garius, yes, within these times that we find ourselves right now, it's important. It's important to be able Jeff, to it's hear important on an individual, person by person, child by child basis. Yes. I believe that we have outsourced caring and connectivity to something larger than ourselves, whether it's cell phones, whether it's the internet, whether it's the government, whatever it is, it's no longer excuses. I had a conversation with a, a colleague of mine who works and he said to me, what can I do? Uh, you know, it's not my fault. What can I do? And I said, what can you do? You find one kid, mm -hmm. find one child, uh, right? Who needs a mentor and yeah. spend time with them. Yeah. But you got you have a, a national organization doing it 1.5 million times a year. It's it's an incredible wave of kindness that sweeps across all 50 states, well, and it's inspirational. Well, we've been known as the best kept secret, right? And 
And and and that's a moniker that 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 I we are looking to change, right? I am um I'm actually the first CEO of National Pal that was not law enforcement, right? So I come with a little different kind of a slant, you know, to it, you know, from a nonprofit standpoint, a branding standpoint, marketing standpoint, all of those types of things. We have to tell our story a lot more because like I told you about Francisco or, or my daughter in Florida and, and, and the hundreds of others that, that call me pop. I'm going to say this, right? And there's nothing, please, I hope people hear me in this light. I have nothing against Boys and Girls Club. I have nothing against Big Brothers, Big Sisters, right? But they've done a, a, a great job in marketing and telling their story where Powell has always been about nose to the grindstone making a difference in doing the work, right? We never really told our story in the past, but we have some alumni that if I mentioned, you would be like, oh, really? I didn't know they were a Powell kid because no one's told the story. Colin Powell is a Powell kid. Great American. Powell is a Powell kid. Jimmy Smith's the actor is a Powell kid. Alicia Keys, the singer, is a pal kid. One of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Hamilton, Grammy Award winning singer right now. He's a pal kid. Um, I mean, and, and all throughout athletics, there's a whole bunch of pal kids that are in this year's NFL draft, right? Hmm. And I don't know if this, somebody's calling me right now. I don't know if it's somebody that I just gave this up to. I don't know that number, but it may be. Um, but in this year's NFL draft, the number, I think he was number three pick. I think number three pick and the number 11 pick in this year's NFL draft were Powell kids. Wow. In the NFL. You know, so yeah, that's the, the athletic side and it's great. But then we have people that, again, Colin Powell, He's he's not known for 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 his athletic prowess, um, you know. And then we have other people that have come on. They're not all pal kids, but they believe in the mission. Like actress Vivica A. Fox, you know, she was in Independence Day and a whole bunch mm -hmm. of other movies and all. She's she's come on board as our ambassador for youth girls empowerment, right? Tommy Davidson, comedian actor came on board. He's ambassador for youth male, youth boys empowerment. Joan Higginbotham, she's um, a female astronaut. She's the third African-American female astronaut. Incredible. She's on board now. She's our ambassador for STEM, right? Again, that's not athletics, that's STEM, right? So we have a host of other people that are coming on board, aiding and supporting us in getting our work, uh, getting our name and our brand, and the great work that we do all across this country. Well, Jeff, I'm on board, and the community here at Squad Locker is on board, and yes. we're going to do everything we can to do two things. One, to share your mission and yes. to share with our customers and the people we interact with in cities across the United States that they need to get to their local PAL community and support them. Yes. Right. Number one. And number two, I'm going to work really hard person to make sure that whatever it is that you guys need, you get it at an affordable way. 
So you're extending every dollar that you can yeah. to make as big of impact as you can. And that's just my personal commitment to you because right. you are an inspiration and this organization is an inspiration. And it's mm -hmm. an incredible thing. I got one question that I ask a lot of people that uh, I speak with and I hope it works here, but I'm gonna try it on you. Sure, sure. If you're game. I'm game. I'm All right. Game. So the question goes like I like, like a this. challenge. Remember, I'm still in that. I, I'm, I know former is in front of athlete, but I'm still competitive athlete. <laughs> so let me see how your mind manages this one. All right. So having played a lot of games in your career and, and maybe coached a bunch along the way too, mm. what did you gain more from, the wins or the losses? Oh, that's easy. The losses. Really? The losses. You find that easy? No, I, I, I gained more from it. Yeah, but you, but the the answer just comes easily to you because some oh, yeah. people waffle. I've got some a couple couple of people have taken a hard position on the wins. No, but you go right to the losses. No, it's uh, it's not even close. It's not. I mean, this that's that's not even debatable for me. And, and I'll tell you this very quick thing, right? <laughs> so I get to college, right? And again, I'm from New York, and think I got a little game with me and all Where'd of that. Where'd you go to college? Small school, North Carolina Wesleyan College in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Right. Cool. So I get there and um, long way from New York. Yeah. Yes, it was um, very different than New York too. Um, so I get there and um, they have this this all league point guard. I played point guard. Right. So um, you know he he was all league and all that, and he's a senior. Now I'm a freshman. Right. And I'm getting there and, you know, it's all about Jeff, you know, and, um, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I know that you're a senior and I know you're, you know, all league and all that stuff, but how is it going to be when you back me up? <laughs> 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 right. So um, our coach, he pulls me in the office and, you know, we get through practices and all of this and our blue gold game and all this stuff. And he's like, so Jeff, um, I'm going to put you on JV. Wait a minute. Is, are you talking to somebody else? You're putting me on junior varsity. I'm here to get the starting spot on varsity and you're putting me. I said, okay. Um, anything else you need to tell me? <laughs> so I said, cause I think I'm going to be getting ready to leave here. Uh, I'm going to be going somewhere else. So he says, well, Jeff, look, yeah, you can leave here. You can go, you can go to several other schools and all that that I know would love to have you as well. He said, but are you giving up on yourself or are you giving up on life? And I was like, ooh, he hit me with that one. So, right. So I said, he said, Jeff, if you leave here and you give up on this, you're going to be giving up on life. And if that's worth it for you, for the here and right now, and your ego, then good luck. So I go back to the dorm and I was like, man, you talking to my roommate, you know, it's like you, this dude put me on JV. So, so he's like, okay, Jeff. And he's like, well, yeah, me too. <laughs> but it was expected that he was gonna be. It wasn't expected that I was, right? So so anyway, long story short, I stick it out. I don't leave. And um, I wind up getting invitations um, 
like we played University of Texas one year, my junior year, right? And the coach at Texas meets with my coach and I after the game and says, hey, would there be any chance that Jeff may transfer to Texas and play with us his senior year? I was like, no. I was like, already my family can't come visit and watch me play. And I'm in North Carolina to New York. They sure can't make it to Texas. So no, you know, a few other schools was like that. And um, so I said, no, but this is the thing. So you talk about loss and learning, right? So for me, it was a major loss, not playing varsity my freshman year and playing JV the whole year. I ain't even get called up. He wasn't even gonna do that, right? So, so I said, okay, but I graduate, played, had, had shot, you know, NBA, that whole thing and all. But then I was also uh, a few years after inducted into the, the North Carolina Wesleyan Sports Athletic Hall of Fame. The, the kid they put on JV? The kid that would play JV. That's exactly right. Did he put you on JV because he wanted you to have a little dose of humility and cool off that New York attitude about the kid who was going to have everybody backing him up, and the only way to do it was to put you in that JV box and shut you up? Yep. That and was so it. did it work? No question. No question. I mean, how can it not, right? How, how many people go out well, bragging they're on JV? Well, <laughs> but you, but you could have quit. You're right. You're right. And, and, he, and that's what got me. And, and that's why. Boy, I'm glad today, you didn't. No, well, same here. And, 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 and that's why, Gary, I say, and even at, at the Hall of Fame induction thing, and all, and I asked him to introduce me, you know, and all. And, and even to this day, and I said, I stated it then, he's like a father figure to me. Sure. Right. Now, again, initially, JV, I would, I, we could have fought in his office. Right? I was so hot, right? So, um, so you talk about loss, right? And, and learning from it. You go from that to being one of the, the, the next three years, being one of the main focal points of the team and being captain, you know, of the team and, and MVP of the team and all of those things to being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, it's he he identified with who I was and what I needed coming from inner city New York to be successful in life, right? And he taught me those lessons all along the way and challenged me, you know, even to the point of this, and, and then we can move on to other things. So I, I was going and, and I was in the camp with, with Boston Celtics and all, right? So, so that's my team. Oh really? Well, I'm a Boston guy. I'm a I'm a New England guy. I love the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm I'm there, and and uh, the year Greg Kite was was number one pick, and 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 Carlos Clark, and and all of these guys. So, they have a little thing for me at the school, right? And, and they, you know, a lot of people sign card to me, and it's like, good luck, you know, you're gonna do well, and all that. So he signs on the card, which he used to always tell me. He said, if they don't catch your passes, it's still your fault. <laughs> what, I was like, no, congratulations, good luck. You know, he's still teaching. He's still teaching, right? It's yeah. like, Jeff, don't get caught up in the moment that you're going with the Celtics and all of this stuff. 
Mm -mm. It's about, look, you have to learn your players. You have to learn the team. You're the quarterback of the team. You have to be in the position to put other people in the best position for them to succeed the same way I put you in the best position for you to succeed. It's a great life lesson. He sounds like an incredible mentor. And what a maybe the best coaching story I've heard so far. Yeah, he's 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 my guy. He's still, you know, Coach McCarthy, and um, you know, he's he's he lives in in Virginia, and uh, we still touch base. And um, you know, he and his wife Linda, and um, you know, to the day they they they're still one of my surrogate parents, if you will, to this day. Jeff, so if people want to get involved with you and your program, it's nationalpal.org. And yeah. and I'd love to see an influx of people reaching out to their local PAL organizations. I know we have one here in Providence, Rhode Island, that mm -hmm. uh, my kids have volunteered for and that uh, mm -hmm. their local school is deeply involved in with their yeah. coaches. And we're going to stay in touch. And uh, mm -hmm. it just reaffirms the fact that if you're listening to this and listening to Jeff talk about his coach reminds you of your high school coach or your college coach, it's a simple thing. Call your coach. That's it. Pick up the phone, call your mentor, call your coach, stay connected. Jeff, it's been an awesome conversation and I, um, I've, I've loved learning about your program and about you as a person. And we're going to yeah. track you and the growth of this uh, national organization even further really closely, if it's okay with yeah. you. No, please do. And I, I really appreciate it. And um, hug a child, you know, hug a child and, 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 and genuinely care because there's a lot of hurt out there right now. And, and especially, and we didn't even touch on the whole, you know, mental aspect, you know, of, of, of a lot of what these kids are going through right now and, you know, mental illness and all that as well you know, which is very rampant and, and, you know, the, the whole thing around bullying and, and, and I mean, there's, there's a lot of opportunities for kids to go left out there right now. And, and it takes programs such as PAL, you know, to be able to genuinely care about these young people and um, sometimes giving them tough love, you know, it takes it. You can't always just tell a kid what, what they need to hear. You know, my coach didn't just put me on varsity because Jeff wanted to be on varsity. You know, that was a tough love thing, you know, but he took the time to learn about Jeff, you know. And, and, he, and he knocked New York out. right out of you. He knocked that New York right out of you. Yes, yes he did. It's funny. I love it, Jeff. It's been awesome talking to you. Next Same time there. we connect, we'll, we'll focus on the mental illness issue uh, and the uh, bullying. We'll do a whole separate show on that because I want to get into it and I want to learn yeah. how we can help that as well. Well, that'll be great. And and uh, maybe one day after we this whole pandemic thing goes, I'll come down to, to, to Rhode Island and uh, we can have the in-person conversation. I love it. I look forward to it, Jeff. God bless. All right. Keep up the bless great you. work, pal. Thank you. Take care. You too. Y'all take care. You've been listening to On The Whistle. For more, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit us at onthewhistle.com. Thank you.